from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hi, this is Newt. Due to the virus, I'm recording from home. So you may notice a difference in audio quality. On this episode of Newt's World... One in five Americans now has medical debt in collections, and rising health care costs today threaten every small business in America. In his recent book, The Price We Pay, What Broke American Healthcare and How to Fix It, Dr. Marty McCary, one of the nation's leading healthcare experts, travels across America and details why healthcare has become a bubble. Drawing from on-the-ground stories, his research, and his own experience, the Price We Pay paints a vivid picture of price gouging, middlemen, and a series of elusive money games in need of a serious shakeup. Dr. McCary shows how so much of healthcare spending goes to things that have nothing to do with health and what you can do about it. Dr. McCary challenges the medical establishment to remember medicine's noble heritage of caring for people when they are vulnerable. The Price We Pay offers a roadmap for everyday Americans and business leaders to get a better deal on their health care and profiles the disruptors who are innovating medical care. The movement to restore medicine to its mission is alive and well, a mission that can rebuild the public trust and save our country from the crushing cost of health care. As someone who has long been an advocate for health care reform and price transparency, I am pleased to welcome my guest, Dr. Marty McCary. He is a surgical oncologist specializing in minimally invasive surgery and a professor of health policy and management at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. He speaks nationally on disruptive innovation in healthcare. 
Dr. Marty McCary. Thank you for taking the time to help educate all of us and the work you've done and the things you've learned. What initially got you intrigued with this whole notion of finding the people who are breaking through and helping with cost? Good to be with you, Newt. You know, I think that people have been frustrated with healthcare for a while now. Costs are burdening every family and business, and it's really one of the drivers of the U.S. being less competitive globally. But nobody really understands why, right? And we blame little things. And what was clear to me from my academic pursuits at Johns Hopkins in health policy was that the fundamental problem in healthcare is we have non-competitive markets. And you can try to set rules in those non-competitive markets, but the fundamental problem is they're not competitive. And if you create competition, if you enable it, that takes care of a lot of the waste and a lot of spending that has nothing to do with healthcare. But at the same time, we have great people in healthcare, even in these middleman industries within healthcare that are receiving money out of the system. So how do you explain the fact you've got good people working in this bad system? And so I wanted to talk to those people and get their perspectives and ask them where they think the waste is and why healthcare costs so much. And in the end, I really left convinced that we have great people working in American healthcare, but the system is set up wrong and the solution is embarrassingly simple. So that was the reason I wanted to chronicle stories. As you talk policy, as you know better than anyone, Newt, we have a very opinionated mentality. Look at the way people get entrenched positions around coronavirus, which is something that's evolving and we're learning more about. And so we have this nation of strong opinions, oftentimes with little expertise. But when you speak from personal experience, that's very hard to argue with. And I can speak as a physician and I can tell those stories and did in this book of folks in the broker industry telling me the story that no one's talking about that we need to be talking about is how businesses are getting ripped off on their health benefits and story after story. So I wanted to share those stories and that's really the basis for doing this project. You did a couple of studies where you asked doctors and others what they thought the real cost of just of an effective, efficient healthcare system would be. And it's a pretty big drop from over current spending. Could you sort of walk through that for a minute? The reason healthcare costs so much from all of the research I've done at Johns Hopkins and for this book, it's very clear. It's three factors. Number one, pricing failures. That enables price gouging and all this kind of waste in the system. Number two, it's doing unnecessary stuff. We asked doctors in a national survey, what percent of medical care in your observation is unnecessary, excluding your own practice, simply looking around you? And they said 21% was the average answer. They broke it down like 25% of medications and 22% of diagnostic tests, 11% of surgical procedures. When people in an industry are telling you that one in five things they are doing is entirely unnecessary, we need to listen to them. We prescribed one opioid prescription for every American three years ago. That was just one medication that we had a wake-up call on. There's a lot of other medications. The average person now in the United States is on four medications. The average senior is on seven. I mean, we live in the most over-medicated, the most disabled, the most obese and comorbid generation in the history of the world. And at some point, we have to ask, are we going to simply have a reactionary healthcare system that throws meds at people in 10, 15-minute appointments 
or are we going to have a proactive system that addresses these underlying causes? And that third driver is care coordination is so poor. And I think the most exciting thing I've learned in the last five years was the movement of relationship-based medicine, ChenMed, for example, in Florida, taking care of seniors through Medicare Advantage, doing whatever it takes to take care of them, visiting them at home, putting them in a program to educate them about how to eat well, giving them a ride to their specialist appointment, dropping the burden of billing and coding from doctors so they can just take care of people. And guess what? Their outcomes are phenomenal. They're much better. How did you initially figure out where to look or what to ask? Since I worked with the World Health Organization years ago on something called the Surgery Checklist, and that became popularized in a book by Atul Gawande, I've had a lot of opportunities to speak. And when you speak at these conferences, you have an incredible opportunity to listen to everyday docs running a small rural hospital. What are your struggles? What could be fixed? And when you listen, it's amazing what you learn. And so talking to folks who are trying to find the cure for cancer within a pharmaceutical company, are they good? Are they bad? If we can get rid of these labels and listen to people and have them tell you what they believe the solutions are, it's amazing what's out there. For example, in pharma, they universally said, look at the middleman, the pharmacy benefit manager, this middleman space, and how they're requiring us to pay these pay-to-play fees just to be listed in their formularies. It's not fair. We have to build in that price into the price of the drug. And so you start hearing these stories. And I think ultimately, you realize that it's the lack of transparency that is really at the heart of a lot of this stuff. Look, if we had to shop for airline tickets with no prices on those websites, airlines would be gouging us all over the place if they had to bill us after the flight. And so these are the opportunities right now. How can we create the nutrition labels for healthcare. The industry argued, we can't have nutrition labels. Okay, we're going to have to increase the price of food. People are going to be laid off, these old arguments. Guess what? We got nutrition labels. There were not mass layoffs. There were not massive spikes in food prices. But now we enabled competition and competition around ingredients. And that's how we drove health in the area of food for over a decade now. Once you began pulling the string, you began finding all sorts of different things. There were different patterns in different parts of the health system. I have to say, I've looked at this stuff for a very long time. Some of your discoveries make a lot of sense, and I believe them, but some of them are so commonsensical and so troubling that I was really sort of shocked by them. I think the one I was most shocked about, Newt, was the game of inflating medical prices for the purposes of offering secret discounts to different insurance companies and groups. And that game sounds like it has no casualties, that it's a system that works. But when I approached hospital CEOs and said, hey, this patient went to your hospital, by the way, sat in the emergency room for two hours, got an IV. I know the medical codes. I know the billing process. I know the medicine, okay? how much do you think that two-hour IV cost? And they would embarrassingly think, I don't know, $2,000? I'd say, no, it's $6,000. And you ought to be ashamed of yourself because this patient went to collections and was sued by your hospital. And immediately they say, oh my gosh, that's wrong. I can't believe that. I had no idea. I'm going to forgive this bill. And then I started asking the question, 
how often does this occur? And is it that we have diabolical people in healthcare trying to ruin the lives of low-income folks that can't afford their bills? Are they just disconnected? And I left convinced they were just simply disconnected. And so if you could tell these stories, and what I discovered was this pattern of about 20 to 30% of US hospitals that went after patients viciously in court to garnish their wages, put liens on their homes, if they can't afford these inflated bills, simply because they were paying an honest price. And when you go to a restaurant and you say, can I see the menu? They don't say, who's your employer? Okay, well, this is the menu for you. And you might be paying five times what the next table is paying for the same hamburger, but you are contractually bound to not be able to see the other prices. That's what we have in healthcare. So it became clear to me that we've got good people. We just got to let the markets work. The University of Iowa study looking at coronary bypass surgery, they surveyed like 100 hospitals whom only 53 gave them a price. And the prices ranged from 44,000 to 448,000. Now, my hunch is there's no direct correlation of quality. As you know, I've been a big advocate of transparency and insisting that the prices get posted in a way that people can genuinely shop. I mean, wouldn't the $448,000 hospital have a big problem? They should be embarrassed at that price. I mean, that's an absurd price. And that price came from a hospital that doesn't do particularly exceptional in cardiac surgery outcomes. Cardiac surgery is one of the few areas of medicine where quality metrics are very mature. They're collected around the country. They're publicly reported. And so that study was entirely enabled by the transparency in that one operation in the entire field of medicine. That was only one operation. And people have no idea. And oftentimes the hospitals have been hiding behind this argument that, oh, well, we provide a lot of charity care. Well, guess what? Almost every hospital in the country provides a lot of charity care. And that charity care is often supported. And there's often a lot of taxpayer dollars and donations that go to that charity care. So the idea that we have to charge 10 times what the other hospital charges in order to support our charity care is not supported by the data. Someone at Google, one of the executives had read my book, The Price We Pay, and said, and I get this call a lot, we want you to come and talk to us and explain to us what we can be doing to fix this problem and what we can do to get a better deal on our own healthcare benefits. Well, I said, you guys are Google. You have an incredible platform to create public accountability without any government regulation or involvement. When somebody types in the name of a hospital, instead of just putting up the name and the address and the phone number, why don't you put up the name, the address, the phone number, their average price markup, their leapfrog quality score, and whether or not they perform on these five billing quality metrics, including whether or not they sue patients. Billing quality is medical quality. Explain that. What do you mean? We published an article in JAMA, our leading medical journal, saying we have to measure billing quality like we measure medical complications. When you come out of a hospital, you can be harmed medically or you can be harmed financially. Financial toxicity is a medical complication. And so when you come out burdened with hundreds of thousands of dollars of bills for services that were not emergent, they were simply not disclosed to you in terms of a price beforehand, even though they could have, and you leave with that, that's a part of the outcome of the patient. And so when we ruin someone's life financially, we're violating our sacred oath. And at minimum, we should be giving people choices. We should be giving them the option. And if it turns out that if you deliver a baby in Boston, 
you can go to a hospital that charges $41,000 or $6,000 for the exact same uncomplicated delivery, but you have no idea what you're walking into. Can we empower consumers and proxy shoppers of consumers who are employers and health plans to be enabled with information so that they can go to hospitals with not only low complication rates, but with low financial complication rates. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Why couldn't that be done on the consumer side? Why couldn't you have a patient's website where people could just basically rate their experiences? It's in progress. And one of the most exciting things I'm a part of is a website called Sesame Care. There's another one called MD Save that was started by former Senator Bill Frist and some others. These sites are trying to become the kayaks and travelocities and Expedias of healthcare. Price transparency does usher in quality transparency. If there's two TVs in town and one is sold for $500 and the other one's sold for $550, your brain immediately asks, well, what are the differences? What are the specs and the experience and the quality? If there's one TV, your brain just thinks, do I buy it or not? And so price transparency will usher in quality transparency. You even logically went to that conclusion when you saw the variation in heart surgery prices. One's $48,000, the other's $448,000. Tell me about the difference. And it turns right. out there was no difference in that case. So to what extent have the Trump administration's efforts to require transparency, which of course the hospitals promptly sued, 
To what extent has that been a step in the right direction? Oh, it's a game changer. It's the biggest news in healthcare, I think, in about a decade. When I first met with folks at the White House, and the White House asked, what should we be doing on healthcare? What is the biggest impact we can make? And don't worry about the special interests. Just tell us what you believe to be the biggest game-changing thing. And we said, convert non-competitive markets to competitive markets. Well, I was so impressed. I mean, the staff there, the people, they basically said, we want to do this. And they pushed ahead. And I was so blown away. And when they finally made the announcement, I couldn't believe it. That night, I watched the nightly news after having the privilege of standing with the president and Secretary Azar and Seema and others for this historic moment to convert non-competitive markets to competitive markets through required price transparency, not of charge master prices, not just sticker prices, but real prices. That is, tell us what the insurance discount is that you have with the insurance companies. No more secret games. Put it all on the table. Amazing reform. That night on the evening news, no coverage of the price transparency rule. But you had this incredible moment and no coverage of it. People in healthcare were not even following it. And then the hospitals who said, look, we're going to sue. There's no way we're turning this over. They argued that it would confuse patients to have prices and that it would lead to non-competitive markets. And I thought, is this a Jedi mind trick? Because this is laughable. They're in a free fall. And hospitals, who I love, were just in this bully mode of a trade organization. We're going to block anything that we have to do. <laughs> you know that mentality well from, from yeah. all the folks that have met with you over the years. And they filed the lawsuit on Monday. The announcement was Friday. If they could have filed it on Saturday, they would have. They filed it on Monday, went to court. Judge threw it out a couple of weeks ago, just saying this is ridiculous, threw it way out. Comments were incredible. You ought to be ashamed of yourselves kind of verdict. And so well, this is going to take effect in January. I think it's going to be a game changer. So when you talk about non-competitive markets, what does that mean? So right now, if you're an employer and your employees are delivering babies at two different hospitals in New York, one charges $6,000, the other, I won't name them, but let's just say they're one of the prominent systems, $70,000. You may want to steer your employees to one that charges 6000 because the experiences and the quality are equal. If they're worth 70000 by all means, go there. But they're not. It's the same doctors a lot of times, by the way, rotating at different hospitals. And so you can't see those things. The insurance companies say, look, well, you're contractually bound not to see any prices. These are our proprietary contracts and you can't see them. This price transparency rule by President Trump says no more of that. That's all now public domain. It's going to really move employers and proxy shoppers to say, hey, look, you can deliver at any place you want. But if you go to the $6,000 hospital as an employer, we're going to pay for diapers and wipes for a year for you and send you a check for $500. You can go wherever you want. You've got free choice. But we're going to incentivize the high value centers and the doctors that do appropriate back surgery and send patients for physical therapy in the primary care clinics that talk about cooking classes for diabetes, not just throwing meds at people, and the places that recognize frailty as a medical condition. And you're going to see this incredible unleashing of the market towards what really matters to patients. That's great. That's amazing. The other part of that, which I found fascinating, the medical technology device people normally sign contracts that make it illegal 
for the hospital to tell you what they cost. And it's built into the system and everybody seems to think it's okay. There are so many things in healthcare. You look at them and you think, well, of course, this is illegal. And you realize, no, this is the way of doing business. I wrote about the practice of pharmaceutical companies paying doctors based on quotas of how many of their meds they prescribe. You think, well, certainly that's illegal. No, that goes on. And it went on with Lucentis. And I wrote about it in the book, Unaccountable. These are things that people need to be aware of as a surgeon myself. I can go to my conferences and talk. We can talk among ourselves about these reforms that we need, or you can engage the public. And that's what I've chosen to do through books and Fox and speaking and other things. We've got to educate folks so that when they're told you need this done, they say, what are the alternatives? And maybe I need a second opinion. And how much is it going to cost? And can I talk to a patient that had this done in your practice? All of these games you're talking about really have led me to the fundamental conclusion that the solution to our out-of-control healthcare system is embarrassingly simple. Get rid of secrecy at every level, secrecy and kickback, secrecy and pricing, and restore the public trust through transparency. You know, most hospitals in the United States were built by churches. Many were funded by philanthropists. They were floated by the local community. Many of them operated in the red, like my own hospital, Johns Hopkins. But it was okay. It didn't matter who you were. They took care of you. It was in the charter. Soldiers from both sides of the Civil War sat in our wards. You had surgeons paying for the train ride of individuals to come and see them because these people couldn't pay. One of the neurosurgeons I write about never charged a teacher or a member of the clergy or a police officer or a firefighter, anyone who was engaged in public service. That is the great heritage of American hospitals. And now we've come to this full circle game of secrecy and insider deals. And that's where sunlight is the best disinfectant. The number of lawsuits that hospitals file, it amazed me because almost all of them go out and raise money to provide charity care. How can you be made healthy if you're going to go bankrupt? The number of people being sued by the hospitals was breathtaking. Did that come as a surprise to you? Massive surprise. I didn't know what was happening. And when I took those cases back to the individual doctor who was involved in the care, they were surprised. They were never told this is what the hospital is going to do. They're going to take their patient to court and sue them. When they found out, they were livid. The story of the year last year was hospitals aggressively suing patients over high bills. We broke that story in the Journal of the American Medical Association last July. And I wrote about it, obviously, in the book, which circulated around that time in its pre-release version. We told reporters, here's a hospital suing patients, write about them. You're a nonprofit hospital. You don't pay millions of dollars in taxes because you're supposed to be doing some public good for community benefit. Live up to that mission. Look at this person's life that you ruined over a bill that's overinflated. You ought to be ashamed of yourselves. This is violating the sacred public trust in the medical profession. And I go to these courthouses and I would defend anyone who walks in. I would stand outside of the courthouse and people who were sued that day, and sometimes it was 300 people in one day sued by the local community nonprofit hospital over bills they simply couldn't afford. These are not deadbeats by and large. These were people who just, they've done nothing wrong. They have insurance, they have a job, they work hard, and they get taken advantage of by a high surprise bill and then sent a court notice. Lawyers are not allowed to solicit business at a courthouse on a day of court but I'm not a lawyer. And I found out I could. So I started doing it. And I told people as they walk in with my team there, and I said, look, I'm here as a doctor just to help out. We're here with kind of our own advocacy work. If I can defend you in court, I'll do it for free. 
and case after case got thrown out. We went up there and we won 100% of the time. How can you be in a court if you're not a lawyer? I'm the patient's medical expert. I said, how can I, I help? And they said, well, if you have a medical expert here to interpret the bill, then they can say something. So I said, okay, sign me up. Would it be possible to put together the four or five steps that every person is about to be sued by a hospital should take so that they in effect know that automatically to file for discovery? Yeah, actually we've done that on our restoringmedicine.org website. And so people Good. can find there what to do. People have a lot of rights. One of the dirty secrets in healthcare is that you can negotiate your bills before, during, and after the care. And so people need to stand up for themselves. Years ago, when we had the Center for Health Transformation, we had a guy come and work with us who was on the West Coast, and his specialty was taking really, really big charges, like Stanford would charge you know, $700,000 for a $120,000 procedure. And every single time, he would go in and say, okay, if you're not prepared to come down to the reasonable price, I'm filing for discovery. And every single time, they would back off. <laughs> the amount he saved his clients was an enormous amount of money. And his specialty was, interestingly, academic hospitals, which were the most likely to overcharge. It's a disgrace. Hospitals are supposed to be a safe haven for people when they're vulnerable, not a place to take advantage and gouge them. Most important two things I can tell folks out there, Newt, is that if you get a bill, type it into healthcarebluebook.com or one of those reference-based websites and find out what the going rate is for the same codes and you take that number back to them, okay? That's how you find out the Blue Book price. The other thing is do not sign your financial life away when you come to the hospital. You don't have to. By the way, it's against the EMTALA law, okay? You don't have to sign your life away financially, everything you own, all your property, your entire net worth under penalty of law in order to get an IV in the emergency room, okay? You don't sign that document. Consent to treat is something separate, and it does not mean you sign your home away, okay? And so hospitals should behave better and separate those documents. Many times they don't, they merge them, and they're saying, you just have to sign this. You say, well, I have some questions. I don't feel comfortable signing my life away financially. They say, well, you just have to sign it. It's a consent to treat. You separate those two. And if you need to, you write on a piece of paper your own battlefield consent and you say, I consent to be treated at this hospital by any doctor for any procedure. And you give that to them and watch them not take care of you with that document. Do you have several websites people should be able to go to for this kind of thing? Yeah, we've got that also on our restoringmedicine.org website. My medical students from Johns Hopkins and around the country that work with me and concerned citizens and nurses have said, look, we want to be involved. We want to do something. So we created this resource at restoringmedicine.org. And then a lot of the stuff is in the book, The Price We Pay. What do you think the administration should do next to continue the momentum towards reforming and improving the health system? I've encouraged them to use the power that they have to require public reporting, to require not just public reporting around bed ulcer rates and surgical site infections, but also around billing quality. What is your average markup? Do you sue patients? Do you provide honest prices when people ask for elective non-emergent services? Do you charge patients for complications that are never events, things that should never happen 
you know, a subset of complications that we've identified in medicine as leaving a sponge behind or things that should never happen. Do you charge the patients for those things? And the patients want an honest price. Are they going to run the risk of getting a surprise bill from an out-of-network doctor at an in-network facility without any disclosure? Okay, now you're shot in the chest. Look, we're just going to take care of you. Okay, as a surgeon, I can tell you, we're not going to be giving you any prices or talking any of this stuff. We're just going to take care of you. That's what we should be doing. But 60% of medical care is shoppable. And for that stuff, we can clean up a lot of waste in the system. And for folks who say, we got to throw more money into this broken system, I meet with folks on both sides of the aisle and I tell them, okay, let me understand. You want to increase coverage to every American. I love that idea. How are you going to do that? Okay, throw more money into this broken system where the waste right now is somewhere between 30 and 40% and allow that waste to increase behind the guise of a massive budget? Or are we going to cut the waste to make healthcare affordable to expand coverage? You have an extraordinary story of doctors in church parking lots performing vein stinting and charging Medicare for the procedures. Can you tell us that story? Overtreatment is a huge issue in the United States, and people are suspicious of their therapy now because of the problem we have with some fraction of healthcare overdoing things. Most doctors do the right thing or always try to, but some fraction of doctors are responding to the perverse incentive, sometimes prompted or pushed by this new corporate medicine effort to maximize profits over patients. And we saw it in the churches in the area outside of Washington, D.C., a few miles from the Capitol building. We went there to a church fair co-sponsored by a doctor's group that does procedures of stenting blockages and leg arteries that are by and large unnecessary and has very little to no science to support it. People come into church during a health fair. They're told, hey, we're going to take a look at your circulation. The doctor says, hey, we see a little funny looking partial blockage. We're going to do a follow-up study, an angiogram, and then during the angiogram say, we found a blockage, but good news is we stented it open, kind of like heart stents, only but of the leg arteries. Well, guess what? Everybody's got some partial blockage of their leg artery when they turn 70 or older, right? I mean, it's practically ubiquitous. And just stenting all these things is scientifically unindicated without symptoms. There's a national guideline from the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force that says people should not be screened for these peripheral blood vessel blockages because of overtreatment, and there's no science to really support it. So we found that overtreatment is rampant, and guess who funded all of this stuff? Medicare. The Medicare program cannot possibly police all of healthcare, right? And so with a lack of any local accountability, these patients walked in blind and got these unnecessary procedures. One of the doctors made, we think, about fifteen to thirty thousand dollars per day. There was one doctor we saw in the data that made eighty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars per day doing probably mostly unnecessary leg stents. We took this to the Society of Vascular Surgeons, said, look, do something. Here's data we don't feel comfortable sitting on as a research team. And sure enough, they were able to act and the Wall Street Journal did a nice piece on it. But this is the burden of unnecessary procedures in one particular area of healthcare. That's just one area, all funded by Medicare. Do we just want to throw more money into that system or do we want to start creating accountability and cleaning up the waste? From BBC Radio 4. 
Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. The numbers you were using come to like 3 or 4% of the entire economy. That would end all of our concerns about paying for Medicare and Medicaid for probably two generations. That's an enormous number. We can keep throwing good money after bad into this entirely broken system, or we can finally talk about cutting the waste. If you look at our entire federal spend on healthcare, you'll hear these numbers. It's one in five dollars, or you'll hear it's 19% of GDP. Let's talk in very simple terms, okay? I don't know anybody who talks about buying a lawnmower for 3% of their household GDP. The lawnmower cost $800, right? Let's just use simple terms. Medicare and Medicaid combined, that expenditure is about what, 24, 25%. Guess where seniors are spending their social security checks? Social security is about 24% of federal spending. Half of social security checks are going to healthcare expenses, co-pays, deductibles, co-insurance, and non-covered services. The Defense Department, which many people argue is the only line item larger than the Medicare spend, is 31% of federal spending. Well, guess what? 15% of their budget goes to their own healthcare system and their own health benefits. And that's separate from the VA. That's about 4.4% of federal spending. And interest on the debt is in part interest on the healthcare debt. And remember, we pay for benefits for what, 9 million federal workers. That costs money. You add those together, we're spending 48% of all federal spending on healthcare in its many hidden forms. So when people say we got to increase spending on this healthcare program, what are you proposing we go to? 
75% of all federal spending? Do we cancel all other national priorities? Do we cancel the entire Defense Department? I mean, we've got to use some logic at some point. And obviously, the solution here, I believe in, is cutting the waste. I have the same feeling. When people ask me in the long run about how to balance the federal budget, it has to start with health care. If Medicare, Medicaid, TRICARE, Indian Health Service, and federal employee health benefits all continue to automatically go up in the current secretive system, it's virtually impossible to see how you ever balance the federal budget. But if you can actually get a system which is competitive and transparent and which evolves in ways that people have a sense of control over their own health, I suspect you could have a remarkable impact on total cost to American people. Well, Newt, I know you've thought about these issues for a long time. And to be honest, it's a huge honor to be talking to you about these things because you've been at the forefront of them. But I wish we could somehow get the message out there that we're getting ripped off on healthcare. There's a tremendous amount of waste. And trying to add little tiny fixes by creating rules in a non-competitive market are not nearly as effective as transforming healthcare into a competitive market. Transparency is deeply desired by the American people. They instinctively understand the concept. I mean, when people ask me, I tell them, do you realize the biggest monumental change in healthcare occurred and hardly anyone knows about it? And that was the president's executive order on price transparency. I really think what you're doing is groundbreaking and will probably do more to move us towards an effective and efficient health system than anybody else I know in the country. So I'm thrilled that you would take the time to share this with us. Huge honor to talk with you, Newt. Thanks so much for the time. And now I'll answer your questions. Gary from Minnesota said, I just listened to your podcast with Gerard Robinson and would love to hear more from him and solutions as to how we fix what is wrong. You know, I had exactly the same feeling. I thought Gerard was so knowledgeable that we've asked him to come back. So in the very near future, you're going to hear exactly the podcast you're asking for. Paul from Florida why has the media adjusted its reporting of coronavirus to just new cases? Since March, the media has not done an effective job in giving breakouts, age brackets, race sets. I have to say that I am highly confused by the reporting system. I think that we're not being done a very good service. I don't think that their standard for what they're reporting is very good. I personally keep track of how many people are in intensive care and how many people die. I don't even look at hospitalization because in a number of places now, if you come up positive, even though you have no symptoms at all, they'll put you in the hospital for a day. And that makes no sense at all. I wish they would get to a simple, clear, consistent way of reporting. And I think this is an area where the Center for Disease Control has really done a terrible, terrible job. Thank you to my guest, Dr. Marty McCary. You can read more about reforms needed in our healthcare system and the price we pay on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newtsworld is produced by Gingrich360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers, and our producer is Garnsey Sloan. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich360. Please email me with your questions at gingrich360.com slash questions. I'll answer them in future episodes. 
If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. On the next episode of Newt's World, the new Daniel Sova novel, The Order, the 20th novel in the Gabriel Alon series, releases on July 14th. I'm pleased to welcome my guest, Daniel Sova, to hear more about the novel and what he's working on next. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.